You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another just crushed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall again. Their 11th loss in 12 games, 48-46 to to Purdue, dropping the Hoosiers to 13-13 and overall and 4-11 and in conference play. Uh, in a game where, you know, after what we saw Saturday, you know, so many of us just wanted to see these Hoosiers come out and fight and give effort and really played hard, play hard. And we certainly saw that tonight, but so many of the struggles that Indiana has had on the offensive end to get into any kind of rhythm, to get any kind of consistency on that end uh, were just, you know, they, they were ubiquitous throughout this game, save for a few brief stretches. And ultimately, you know, that results in this loss for Indiana in which they played absolutely one of their best defensive games of the season, really did a nice job on the glass, you know, played together did so many of the things that you wanted to see. We just weren't able to make enough plays offensively to get the win. And it goes in the ledger as another loss in a season full of them. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And we'll start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And tonight's banner moment came late in the second half, two minutes and 32 seconds to go. Romeo Langford makes a couple of free throws to put Indiana up 45-41, to 41, and it really felt like this game might be different. You know, it felt like the Hoosiers were in control. And, of course, Ryan Klein would go down, you know, make a, a fadeaway three that was just yet another incredibly difficult shot by an opponent in Simon Scott Assembly Hall that goes the opponent's way. It's been like that all season. Uh, you know, they cut it to one. Eventually, of course, they were able to make the plays to win the game. But those two free throws by Langford were absolutely huge. And I thought overall, you know, Romeo really played a good game. The Hoosiers were plus four with him on the court. He had to miss five minutes at the start of the second half with that, you know, sudden illness. And Indiana got off to a bit of a slow start in the second half. And, you know, it would be, you know, I would love to see how this game might have been different if he had been able to play at the start of that second half, because towards the end of the first half, when Indiana had nothing going offensively, Romeo scored seven straight points to settle everything down. It was 17-13. Purdue were getting nothing on offense. He gets to the free throw line a couple of times. His step back three tied it at 20. It really felt like he was getting into a rhythm. Uh, he was playing hard. He played well defensively. He had nine rebounds. You know, he he had such a bad game up at Purdue and really put that in the rearview mirror tonight. And the overall numbers may not be overwhelming, 14 points, only two of six from the field. But you watched that game and you saw how much of an impact he had on it. And again, those two free throws gave Indiana the lead at four. It would not be a lead that they were able to hang on to. But hopefully a performance like this puts any of those silly narratives to bed about you know Romeo Langford and how invested he is in this season because he came out tonight and really played a whale of a game, played his tail off, took some hits, got sick, came back. But ultimately, unfortunately, it was in a losing effort for his team. 
All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like Down Syndrome of Indiana. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. Be sure to check out Home Field's vintage IU designs, including the classic Indiana warm-up script tees and long sleeves, which are printed on incredibly soft tri-blends. I thought there was a winter weather advisory in Bloomington tonight, so it's still cold. You still need to get that tri-blend hoodie with the uh, the the, uh, the uh, IU Bison mascot. That's there at homefieldapparel.com, so go check them out. Uh, because they have tons and tons of great IU gear that you're going to want to get. Can a brother get some coupons? And, of course, you can. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout today for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And, Andy Bottoms, we will start with you, your bottoms line on yet another crushing Indiana loss. Yeah, this was a rock fight of all rock fights, it, it felt like. But it seemed like for a little while there, IU was going to come out on top. There was a stretch in the kind of middle portion of the second half. Uh, IU held Purdue. They scored, allowed them to score in just one out of nine possessions in the middle. And one of those was a Klein, you know, I think the like fading to the side three at the top of the key. You know, so that's one one basket for Purdue in that stretch. And at the same time, IU had some unlikely contributions. The Al Durham like, jump hook in the in the post Duran had six straight uh, and, and it felt like this team would finally, you know, had put itself in a position at least to really close out a game. And that has been, that has been such an issue for this team, whether it be closing out possessions late in the shot clock, closing out games when they have been close during the stretch. Uh, And this was another one. They just couldn't get it done. Purdue, you know, scored on five of their last seven possessions following that stretch. One of those was a, a putback from Nogel Eastern. Another one was a difficult drive from Carson Edwards. Another was the climb three that hits the rim and you know rolls its way over. Then the uh, you know the over the back uh, you know putback from from Harms at the end. And, and you know those many of those were difficult shots in that scenario. But it was you know where one more play from IU really would get him over the hump. They just couldn't do it. And on the other end of the floor, Romeo hit you know three free throws. Was all IU scored over its last six possessions was just those three points and uh, had a couple missed threes and and a couple turnovers in there among that group. And it just felt like you're glad that they put themselves in a position thanks to substantially better effort than what we've seen to be able to, you know, where a player or two actually makes a difference. Uh, but but at this point, after the way things have gone, it, it feels pretty hollow to say, you know, that that really is representative of some kind of turning of the corner, uh, if you will, just because it took, you know, getting to this point to really be able to see that kind of effort. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that. And I applaud the effort. Some of the guys were playing. Uh, Al Durham defensively was just phenomenal um, trying to fight through screens. He was, um, it, it was a fun thing to watch just a guy off the ball playing that hard, running through screens and doing those things. So there are a lot of things to be excited about as this team finds new ways to lose and pile on itself a little bit. But again, it was the inability down stretch to really make that one play that was going to be the difference in, in securing the victory uh, or turn it into a loss. And, and once again, they were unable to do that, uh, whether it be late shot clock or, or late game situation. And now it is time for Ryan's rant. Ryan, what are you going to rant about tonight? 
Look, I know it's easy to say this, and and I know that some people will call it a cop out or whatever, but th- this just is not Indiana's year. Uh, how many times have we seen guys hit ridiculous threes to put the other team back in the game? How many times have we seen uh, when they come out with a really good effort, they get beat by a crazy play? How many bad bounces has this team had? And you look at tonight, I don't know what we're going to see the final tally is. How many layups rolled off the rim? And I mean, not bad shots, just shots that got put up on the rim and fell out. Now, you should make those, but Jawan Morgan was three of 14. I know he missed six threes. He was one of seven from three. A couple of those threes were great shots, though, that just didn't go in. And then you've got he, uh, you got Justin Smith, you've got uh, Romeo, you've got Finnessy, and you've got Durham. What? Well, actually, not Finnessy, but Durham, all missing layups that rolled around in the rim and came out. Now, again, it's on you to make those shots. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way, and it's inexplicable. And this team is as snake bit as any team I've ever seen. Romeo Lankford uh, has this amazing stretch to end the second half or end the first half, really gets Indiana in a rhythm, gets the crowd going. And what happens? He comes out and throws up into a trash can at halftime, and this is the first five minutes. Could have continued that momentum. Indiana starts slowly instead. I, I mean, it's just one thing after another for this team all year round. And now, of course, you make your own luck. I get that. But tonight, they played phenomenally defensively all night. Everybody, one through 10, they played amazing defense. And this is a, they're guys that I am incredibly hard on in this team who I have to tip my cap to because of how well they played defensively. You held Carson Edwards to four of 24 from the field and 0 of 10 from three point range. And you lost. And you lost because a couple shots went in that probably shouldn't, and a couple shots fell off the rim that should have gone in. Now, again, that's not the whole reason for the loss. I'm just saying two more bounces in IU's way, and that bounce from Ryan Klein's three that goes straight up in the air and falls in. Are you kidding me with what we've seen this year from, from some of these guys with late-game threes, with Bohannon and, and C.J. Jackson and, and now Klein? I mean, it's just... It's hard to understand what's going on. And sometimes you need bounces to go your way to get a win. Sometimes you don't play well enough to win. And you need a bounce to go your way and get a cheap win that way. Sometimes you play your heart out and you need a bounce to go your way to to beat a better team. Against Michigan State, they got a couple bounces. Michigan State missed a lot of free throws in that game that were in and out, rolled off the rim, all that stuff. This was the same kind of effort and the things just didn't go. There are systemic problems. I know that. We're going to talk about that. But sometimes it literally just is not your year, and that's what we're seeing from Indiana right now. It's not Indiana's year, and nothing has gone right from injuries to bounces to you know getting the right call in certain situations to you know earlier in the perfect example earlier in the year, Deron Davis got called for fighting for a rebound against Arkansas, and Indiana loses that game as a result. Matt Harms goes over the back of Jawan Morgan. And honestly, I'm okay with them not calling that. It was over the back, but it's late. It's a scramble, whatever. I'm okay with them not calling that. But of course, it got called when it hurt Indiana earlier in the year, and it doesn't get called here. Sometimes life just doesn't go your way, and that's how I feel about this Indiana team. There's systemic problems we need to talk about and we'll get into, but sometimes it's just as simple as stuff just not going your way, and that feels like that has been, on top of everything else, that has been a huge part of this season for Indiana. You know, and sometimes it's as simple as 
you know, being able to make an important three-pointer, being able to make a big shot. You know, we talked about one of the keys coming in. For Purdue, their games are typically determined at the three-point line. And in games where they have outshot their opponents, they almost always win. Tonight, Indiana goes 5 of 25 from deep. Purdue goes 6 of 20. Now, look, Indiana did an amazing job defending Purdue on the perimeter because the shots that they made were tough. They didn't give up a whole lot of easy looks. But that one three-pointer that they made more than we did was the difference in the game. And, you know, Al Durham had a shot. We were up by, I think it was 38-37, where the Assembly Hall would have erupted if he had made it, and it just missed. And that's been the difference this year is we can't make that dagger three, and the other teams can. But I will say this, Ryan, you know, as much as it is, you know, makes and misses and bounces and all of this stuff, and as great as Indiana's defense was tonight, and, and clearly the defensive game plan Archie had was awesome, and he had this team ready to play emotionally, and they communicated. So whatever they did to open things up and guys talking, they were ready to play. But my God, did we look clueless on offense at times. And your rant after the, it was either, I think it was the Minnesota game or the Ohio State game, one of the games, was about how he's got, you know, whether it's hire an offensive coordinator, figure something, because the late game execution wasn't good. And there were just too many times in the second half, and even at times in the first half, where we just looked like we didn't have any kind of clue what we wanted to do offensively. I and, still and I just, and, and that, you know, I think in a game where you hold the opponent to 48 points, you know, we have to talk about that before we get out of the first segment because that just lack of direction offensively, you know, ability to get Romeo shots in the second half, ability to get it onto the block in the second half, Indiana has to find a way to do that. And they didn't yeah, no. tonight. And that tonight, I put it on the coaching more than I put it on the players. No, and I uh, I completely uh, still agree that Archie's got to bring in some kind of guy to, to fix the offense, whether it's just tweaking the system a little bit or if it's a complete overhaul. I, I still believe that. Um, I'm just saying that tonight, sometimes you play even with the team and don't get the bounce that is the key. Now, agreed. They, they can't get the ball inside. They don't know how to deal with a double team. They you know were taking questionable shots at times. All of that stuff is 100% true. I'm just saying sometimes it comes down to, and quite frankly, Purdue was was not good offensively either. I'm saying they played even with Purdue. Yeah. And really, it was the team that had one better bounce or or one play, you know, executed better was going to be theirs. You had Romeo driving on the baseline getting calls for a charge that was ridiculous when there's a wide open guy for a three in the corner. I mean, any one of those plays goes Indiana's way and they win this game, and none of them did. And Purdue got like four plays that were 50-50 plays to go their way. I get, I think well, Purdue got shots up on some of ours. We dribble the ball off our foot out of bounds. You and know, that, like that's, that's, that's you got to get shots. I mean, it's true. And, and you know, at the end, uh, Juwan Morgan, I know, uh, uh, on the broadcast, they said, Juwan Morgan, you know, Romeo doesn't touch the ball. Well, Juwan Morgan dribbled to give Romeo the ball. He was guarded a little bit and he cut back door. And that's why Juwan drove it and slipped and fell. You know, I mean, it's it, again, guys have to come get the ball. Guys have to, you know, sort of have the confidence to go do something. Um, but, again, I just think that sometimes you need 50-50 plays to go your way, and they just don't this year for this team at all. And, and there are years where they've all gone our way. I mean, the, the the last Big Ten championship team had a lot of bounces, a lot of calls, and a lot of things go their way, and they wound up winning a Big Ten championship. This team, it's it's been the opposite. They haven't played well enough to be successful. That's 100% true. But sometimes when you play even with the team, you need some bounces to go your way. And... uh yeah, it, it they just haven't this year. Andy, it it, it seemed to me that it, it was just so inconsistent. You'd have possessions where you saw a lot of movement off the ball, although in a lot of cases, I don't know that that generated any 
looks. It's kind of the, you know, you're running around, but are you really doing anything? Are you making hard enough cuts and things like that? I thought there were some opportunities for backdoors just as much as Purdue was overplaying on the outside. I think that's might've been what they tried to set up on that last play that Ryan talked about, but, uh, and, and I, you didn't get anything out of going into the post for the most part, Purdue, you know, came at them with pretty hard doubles, but I can't recall a lot of really open shots that came as a result of that. I think it no, led to a few a turnovers trying to do that. I mean, that that's one of the big benefits. It should be one of the big benefits of being able to play through a guy like Duran. And that had been the case in some of these other games that since he's been back of really being able to set up other guys, but that just for whatever reason didn't lead to any, any clean looks. And, uh, you know, IU did some damage on the offensive glass. I thought that was, you know, some of their offense came through that because there wasn't a whole lot coming in the general flow of things, but there were, you know, plenty of possessions where it's just, you know, five dudes standing around trying to, you know, wait for something to happen. And it just wasn't jogging yeah. through cuts, not doing the right yeah. thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's obvious. And, and, and it would be okay if you could throw it into Morgan, he wasn't getting double teamed and he could just go to work. You can cover up for a lot of those flaws, but they were doubling hard. And it was hard for Indiana to find openings because Purdue was a good defensive team and was doubling hard and really messing up any rhythm they had with those doubles. And at some point, you know, a guy like Morgan, a guy like Davis, you've got to figure out what to do there. And and I'm not saying they, were, they weren't getting much help, but at some point you have to kind of try and figure it out and, and figure out how to do something or call a timeout, walk over to the coach and be like, what do I do? You know, I mean, it, it's because if you're getting trapped and your only option is to force a pass across the court. Clearly something's wrong and, and needs to be better. And, you know, I, again, not defending any of the offensive stuff. Um, it, it's a problem. And we've been saying it for weeks that we think there need to be massive changes. Yeah. You know, I, I, think think that, I would I think say that there have been times when, you know, the lack of cutting, the lack of movement, you know, I've kind of chalked it up, you know, cause it's been in a game where the defense hasn't been good and guys haven't necessarily been playing as hard. And you chalk it up to that. Tonight, those guys were engaged, but you're right, Andy. There were some possessions where everybody's standing around, and I really think it's more like, "What do I do?" rather than not being willing to go hard, you know, with what you know it, you're it supposed was to do. Like everybody was confused. What right? Was yeah, to and I, I just, man, you know, we just needed to have a better plan there toward the end on some of those possessions, and that that is just that's so disappointing because you know after such a bad performance Saturday, the guys came back and played to win. They played hard enough to win. And sometimes you need to be able to draw some confidence and draw a plan from the sideline. And I just, I really thought tonight for as many answers as Archie had, he and the staff just didn't have any answers offensively when his team needed him most. And that's, that's just, that's just really disappointing as you reflect on this game. Andy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I, I cut you off, finish this off here. No, you're fine. I think, you know, two other things stand out. I thought Al Durham got a lot of really good shots and he ended up one of eight from the floor. And, and yeah. the shot he makes is a, is a, you know, turn around, jump hook with his offhand. So obviously that makes sense is that's the one shot that he would make. Sure, but, why not? Um, you know, I thought he got good looks and, and sometimes those, you know, those types of games, we always talk about who's going to be the third, you know, third scorer, things like that in game, you know, he, they're shots that he's shown the ability to make uh, certainly over the course of, of the season, but struggle with those. And I thought the foul trouble on fantasy was, was a factor. Uh, he, he was playing with some confidence and playing really well, he got a kind of a silly foul. Uh, no other way to put it for his his fourth, and that really took him out of the game for a really yeah, long was, period of time. At, at a time when I think the offense tended to run better uh, when he was in there, and he was a guy who was willing to go try to get a shot for himself if he needed to hit that nice you know pull up jumper with the shot clock running down. So I think those were those were big factors. But it was 
it was hard for IU to figure out how to deploy. If they wanted to play Duran and Juwan together, it seemed hard to figure out how to deploy them uh, effectively because Juwan ends up taking seven three-pointers over the course of the game, most of which were open. And I think if you're Purdue, probably a shot you're willing to let him take no matter uh, how many points he scored and, uh, and, and, so, and how well he shot over the course of the season. So I think that was you know, probably part of their plan as well to be able to try to take things away inside. And if they get burned, by a guy like him shooting threes, then so be it. And, um, you know, for him to take half of his shots from the three-point line is is not what IU wanted and needed. And um, But I, I just don't know that there seemed to be an effective front court combination based on how things were going over the most, uh, the biggest part of the game for IU. Yeah. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 48-46 loss to Purdue, we're going to make some drastic changes here to the order of segments. We want to talk about some other storylines in segment two. We'll push meaningful moment uh, and stats to segment three. So stick with us. We're going to keep breaking down this game here on the Assembly Call next. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's two-point loss to Purdue. A terrific effort from the Hoosiers, but just not enough execution in crunch time to be able to come away uh, with the victory tonight. And we're going to move move some segments around a little bit because, Ryan, I think you're right. You, know, you mentioned in the chat, let's you know one of the big storylines coming into this game and you know, we talked about it on Banner Monday. We talked about it after the IU Minnesota postgame show when we saw the quotes come out. You know, Archie Miller talking about how they were going to have to make some drastic changes, you know, to kind of how they were trying to reach these guys and some of the things that they were doing to try and affect some change after a performance that bad. So let's not let that topic linger into segment three. Let's talk about it right here and we can all kind of talk about it. I mean, what did you see in terms of drastic changes? Like, were you satisfied? We, you know, we're all dissatisfied with the offense, but were you satisfied overall with how Indiana responded to that Minnesota loss? Well, it's it's clear that there were some drastic changes as far as effort and intensity go and focus defensively, for sure. I think offensively, the effort, for the most part, was there. Guys were just confused and not running great offense. But that doesn't mean that the effort wasn't there. And, and that is what we did not see against Minnesota. Minnesota was a lackluster walk through the games if they showed that effort against nebraska northwestern rutgers iowa ohio state you're gonna make me cry they win all those games if you show that kind of effort that they showed tonight against those games that's that's five wins in conference easily uh because so much of those losses were just a lack of focus and effort defensively which is supposed to be this team's calling card and this was more what we saw earlier in the season. And I think that the message needs to be, look, that is your default and energy level. That's not, that's not, let's not rise up to that energy level. That is your default energy level. We'll work on the execution from there. But what you saw tonight effort wise, that needs to be first gear. I mean, that needs to be where you're at automatically when you turn the engine on and it's, it hasn't been. And it's been a disaster because of that. And, you know, we've heard rumblings from inside the team and all that, that there are reasons for that. And you know what? If you're a player and you're not going to buy in to what the coach is selling here, it's time for you to not get playing time. I mean, we're at that point. Play the guys who are going to have effort. Play Al Durham 40 minutes if you have to. 
That guy is all over the place, and he is. I don't care if he goes one of eight from the field. That guy gives effort constantly, and you know what? If he misses an open shot, I'm fine with it. If he drives in the lane and puts up a floater like he does from time to time and he rolls off the rim, I'm fine with it because I know on the other end, he's not giving up two points. And the one shot he made was awesome. I think it we were down great. 34-3rd, and he was like, F this. I'm just going to go get a bucket yep. and went he down said, to the I'm post. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm getting this. <laughs> Try and defend it. But yeah. no, and, 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 you know, and also right-handed. Love, Al. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and by the way, Romeo Lankford has gotten a lot of flack, and we've given him a lot of flack. He played his tail off tonight. He legitimately did go hard the entire time he was in there. Uh, it stinks because I think it threw him off offensively to not start that second half, to come in cold off the bench a little bit. And somebody said he didn't get any shots in the second half. Well, he also got fouled a lot when he was driving. He made a lot of free throws. So I think that that's, you know, you obviously he made those two technical free throws after having not even played at all. Just came yeah, off I cold mean, after puking. Know, right. No. And and look, I think he needs to get to the hoop more. And we, that's an issue and all that. But that was not a lack of effort. And it wasn't a lack of getting him the ball. He had the ball plenty. And he got fouled and went to the line a lot. Um, Plus, let's remember, Purdue is a good defensive team that was focused on stopping him and Morgan. And so, you know, you understand certain, you know, factors of the game. But I thought Romeo Lankford played very well, particularly on the defensive end. I thought he was fantastic. I thought all those guys were fantastic defensively. Um, Yes, there's a letdown here or there. That's college basketball. It happens, Um, you know. And the big play at the end, Juwan Morgan is six foot nine, blocking out a seven foot two guy, and the guy goes over top of him and tips it in. There's absolutely nothing Juwan Morgan can do there to stop that. Um, it's just again, the ball is not bouncing where it needs to go. If, I know. If, if it, no one wants to hear that though. This is I the know, thing, but you know, like so. Let's... If it comes off the rim two feet to the right, Harms can't reach it. It's not tipping. No, but you could always say that. Like if Rob Finnessy misses the shot against Butler, we don't. I'm just saying, I don't think people want to hear that. I really don't. Of course, but you're again, you're you're missing what I'm saying. It's they have to put themselves in a position where they're not relying on these bounces. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously they do. Uh, It's just sometimes when a game does come down to a bounce, they should fall about 50-50. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you won't. The the key is getting the program to a point where it's not relying on bounces to win games, and and. Um, and, and certainly we all feel that way. And it's just frustrating that it seems like whenever it has come down to a 50-50 play, it hasn't fallen the right way for the Hoosiers. And it, it's demoralizing as a fan because you expect some luck in a season. And, and, and to have a great season, you have to have some luck. And this is a terrible season and you've had no luck. You know, I would also say on the topic of changes, Andy, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. The biggest one Archie talked about on his radio show and pregame was communication and that they, you know, had a meeting, kind of let everybody air things out, which I think is big for a team that clearly has some personal issues and some chemistry issues. And they seem to play a lot more together. And that was Archie's big focus. And they certainly succeeded. You could see the communication was better on defense. There were fewer breakdowns. You know, they were, you know, if, if they needed to do a switch, they would do it. They were on the same page more, which is what led to the great defensive effort. That was great to see. I thought there were some changes in person in uh, playing time. You know, Justin Smith only played 19 minutes. Now, he did play more toward the end of the game. He only played eight minutes in the first half. But frankly, I thought he played better. He had some grown man box outs in the second half. He also had five offensive rebounds. Still took the ball off the dribble too much for my liking, but fortunately, Deron Davis was there to clean that up. Um, you know, so we saw a few changes in playing time. Evan Fitzner didn't even get off the bench. Don't know why Race Thompson didn't get off the bench, but perhaps Archie will explain that in the post game. So, you know, I think Archie's going to take a lot of flack for the offense. I think it's deserved. You've heard me say it many times on the show already. But, you know, to be fair, you know, there were some 
I thought, Andy, we talked about it. What he needed to show was that he could get this team up for a game like this. They did. You know, they they brought what you wanted to see. But, man, that offense just continued. I just checked Ken Palm. We're now a sub-100 offense, and deservedly so, because it's been bad. The defense is now in the top 30. Um, so, on some levels, I thought there were some really meaningful changes. Unfortunately, offensively, there weren't enough, and that's what led to the loss. Yeah, I think, and and as you look back on, you know, early in the season, I, I don't know how much of of what we saw or the things that we, we thought were different about the offense easy to say now in retrospect it it may have been you know fool's gold and and this team wasn't wasn't going to shoot the ball as well as they did at the beginning some of that was the opponents and all those kinds of things i think that's probably fair um i guess from my perspective from a a a change standpoint he talked a lot about the team's disposition uh in the in the few post game quotes that i saw seemed really happy with that um I, i there definitely was a greater resolve to fight back in the face of adversity and I don't know nobody was scoring enough in this game to really get off to any kind of big lead but you know we've seen over the course of the season where the effort can look good at times and really ebbs and flows and I thought that that at least was a constant and that is if you want to find the positive in a game that you scored 46 points that that to me is what it is for a team that had lacked effort far too often over the course of the last you know month plus I thought that was consistent uh, so if that becomes the foundation, then maybe you can work some things out offensively and and go from there. But it, they're a tough watch on that end of the floor. And part of that is, you know, Purdue has some unique defensive pieces to really make that difficult. Nojel Eastern is a guy who can defend Romeo in a way that a lot of other guys in the Big Ten cannot. That being said, you've got to find ways to be able to get him opportunities, you know, going downhill. I think that's been really one of the, you know, main complaints for a while is really getting Romeo the ball in a place that he can do something with it off the catch and, and really get moving toward the basket and Purdue did a good job of of limiting that to their credit but um, that continues to be a problem particularly for a guy who's not uh, a great shooter did hit that big three toward the end of the first half you know we it, we know and the opposing teams know just as well that you know that's an area he struggles with and that's a shot they're willing to give him but I do think trying to be more creative in ways to get him the ball in those kinds of scenarios we talked about the double teams really giving IU some problems over the course of the game. And uh, I think point guard play, you know, really becomes critical in those in those scenarios. And that's where I felt they really missed Fennessey there uh, during that big stretch of the second half. And, uh, you know, in the same way that we talk about Juwan needing to be smarter about taking fouls in certain situations, I think that's one that, you know, Rob needs to get back, especially you know, if you're going to be tasked with guarding guys like Carson Edwards and, and Klein over the course of the game, you can't be giving up cheap fouls on a, on a, you know, trying to dig down on a big guy in the middle of the lane. And, and part of that is youth. Uh, yeah. But I thought that really set IU back. Not that the offense was setting the world on fire when he was out there, but uh, it, it was it was better uh, and a little bit more of a, a stabilizing presence uh, when he was in there. And you know, it's a. Uh, it's it's you'd think that after this many losses the team would find would not be finding new ways to lose but uh i i feel like this was a this was one that we hadn't quite seen yet over the course of this losing streak yeah i want to just mention one thing uh before we move on to the next segment i uh it was really nice to see og and obi and thomas bryant in the crowd by the way i just jared know. jeffries too Jared Jeffries was right next to him. Yeah. Uh, but with, you know, OG and and Thomas and there were great pictures of Thomas Bryant came back to work out at IU this week during the all-star break and he's having a breakout year and it's awesome for him. I think we're all stoked for him, but you know, this isn't the coach they played for and they're still coming back to, you know, 
be and, and cheer on Indiana. It's still big time Indiana guys. So I, I loved seeing that considering they weren't on campus that long, you know, two years for those guys. Um, and the other thing I want to say is Matt Harms is one of the biggest fake tough guys I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and as, as Jared said before the game, uh, before the in show. a fight for the show, uh, in a fight, Deron Davis could, you know, fold Matt Harms up into a suitcase uh, if he wanted to. But so that guy just annoys the crap out of me. So of course he's the guy who had the tip in at the end. <sighs> yeah, you know, I mean, I was it was nice to see Deron kind of stand up to him. It's nice to see someone take some pride and not take some crap year. from people at home. So, so let me ask you guys this, you know, because, you know, you lose a game like this, you're really going to focus on things that happen late in the game. Did you have an issue with how much Duran was off the floor over the final couple minutes? I mean, Justin, you know, got some offensive rebounds, did some things, and, you know, Indiana has a foul to give on that last defensive possession. Do you maybe try to use that, try to do something? I mean, that last possession where Carson Edwards just kind of knifed into the lane, Justin Smith isn't really in good position. You know, for a game where the defense was so good, when you really needed to to maybe have your best defensive possession, Indiana kind of broke down right there. You know, any other any other nitpicks that you guys have? Because well, you know, we lauded Archie so much for some of the the late game stuff early in the season, and rightfully so. This just feels like a game where, you know, who knows what was told in the in the huddles, but certainly it didn't turn out very good. Well, I think that given the lineup they were facing, Justin Smith was the better matchup. Um, you know, because he wanted to have uh, uh, Jawan Morgan on harms away from the basket when he would set those screens so he could help out because Jawan can recover to harms. And Duran maybe have had a little more of an issue with that, maybe had more of an issue stepping out to stop guards coming off screens because we were protecting against a guy like Ryan Klein hitting a three off of those screens. So I think that you were getting help from Jawan Morgan, and I think that you needed to have him out there uh, guarding harms. And really when Deron Davis was in, that's the only guy you can guard. Uh, on that lineup that 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 IU was facing, so I think you kind of have to have Justin Smith in there. They did do some offense defense stuff with uh, when they had a chance with Deron Davis and Justin Smith a few times, uh, which I think is the right move. But then if nobody's scoring or if there's no stoppages, which there weren't a whole lot of stoppages, you're going to wind up with Justin Smith on the floor a lot. Uh, I thought Justin actually made some nice plays towards the end, being aggressive. He had that layup. He uh, he you know did some you know, good stuff on the offensive end being aggressive. He missed a couple of inside, but being aggressive led to some, uh, some, some points for IU. So I was okay with it. Um, obviously that's not the lineup I want starting and that's not the lineup I want playing the most, but in that situation, I think that was probably the right lineup. I agree. He should have stepped up on Carson Edwards, but once Edwards started shooting, uh, there's nothing really you can do there because quite frankly, if you go up and you just foul him, Given our luck, that ball probably finds a way to bounce in, and it's a three-point play. Um, you know, and and then late that last possession, you could say, well, they left a they left a foul on the ledger. I mean, that's just a coaching preference. They've been playing great defense, and really, when it spread out and it was just our uh, Carson Edwards one on one with Al Durham. Given the way Al Durham has played, I I kind of like that matchup. You know, and but once he that, starts to beat him, maybe you foul him, make him reset well, then it. I, you know what? I think if you do that, sometimes you kind of get into the message of, well, okay, I got beat. Let me just foul him. What if he all of a sudden pulls up for a shot? We've seen that a ton of times recently where guys, you know, throw the shot up just to get the foul and wind up going to the line for two as opposed. And by the way, he missed the shot. So it's, it's, you know, it, it's just the rebound bounce right to harm. So again, they got what they wanted. They got Edwards to shoot a crazy shot. It didn't go in. And you're thinking, okay, if you get Edwards to miss that shot, you're going overtime. 
And although maybe that's where you think in trying to get Davis on the floor because you know you need someone in there against Harms to prevent to help prevent. But the again, tipping. but again, you have him on Harms. Harms is the guy who sets the screen. No, I know, I know. So I'm I mean, just... there's there's like eight thousand things going on here. Plus, you had the offensive rebound at the other end, and I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. So um, I, I honestly didn't have a problem with the way it played out. They got what they wanted. Edward, it's not you know, if Edwards had gone right by somebody and gone for a layup, then you could say, why didn't you foul? But he took a tough shot and missed, and sure. it just it wound up you know not working out for IU. Yeah, I I I've fallen the same camp with Ryan, and I think they put Davis back in for that possession where Juwan lost the ball out of bounds. I think he it did put him back in on the offensive end. Yeah, he was putting uh, him in on offense, and so he that was. that made sense. I yeah, I mean he was able to to bang with Travion Williams and really kind of abused him uh, offensively, but once he wasn't in, you know that the the next to last play where Edwards got the the layup on the drive I mean I, I'm not sure we probably nitpick what Juwan did in that situation but I don't think Davis would have done any better you know being at the top of the top of the key yeah. you know, trying to defend a ball screen there and I think that becomes difficult and as for the foul I, I mean once Edwards really started going toward the basket like it wasn't that long before he he took the shot so there really wasn't to me you know, good scorer like that, the minute they see a guy kind of put their hand in a position where they might be able to, you know, go up through him and try to draw a foul, like he's going to shoot it. I, I didn't really have an issue with it. I thought Al did a good enough job contesting the shot that it forced a miss and, yeah. uh, and, and was unfortunate. And I just don't know, you know, if you're fouling him before they've really gotten into anything, I don't know that that really does anything to reset or really changes things other than, you know, maybe it takes a couple extra seconds and you've got two less seconds to, uh, to get the ball down the floor and going the other way. If it was, uh, you know, things played out the same. So I didn't necessarily have an issue with those. I think, you know, I was, if, if you're going to talk lineup, I, you know, I really thought the, you know, both the you know, only played eight guys over the course of the game. Uh, the, the Romeo sickness played into, you know, a little bit of weird lineup with McRoberts having to start the second half, which I don't really know which other way you go. The fantasy foul trouble forces Devonte green to play more minutes than probably was warranted based on his play. And other than that, you had Justin Smith, who I thought, played played hard had some good rebounds but really you know forced some shots it felt like not necessarily jump shots they were shots inside but um you know i mean he got six six field goal attempts and two free throws up in a relatively short period of time and, and made just one of those so it, you know was glad he made the one that either put him up or um or extended the lead a little bit um but i, I don't know you know maybe you know is race thompson ready for a game like this who knows we, we we're not going to know uh, right now, that was really probably the only guy that I'd say, hey, maybe he could have gotten some minutes. But otherwise, not. You know, I felt like circumstances outside of the control uh, of the coach led to, you know, playing guys maybe more than you would have anticipated. Unfortunately, yeah. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Purdue, uh, we'll talk about tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. While you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. It'll make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's loss to Purdue. 
And, you know, a few meaningful moments that I want to point out, and maybe we'll spend a little bit of time uh, later, Andy, uh, talking about the, the stretch that Deron Davis had. Because he really took over the game late in the second half at an important point. You know, it was 34 to 32. He, you know, scored at the end of the shot clock, really made, you know, kind of a tough shot over Harms uh, to tie it at 34. Klein would go down and make a really big three. And then, you know, the offense really struggled after that. Once it was 37-34, we had two straight possessions where Justin Smith is attacking off the dribble, which you never want, certainly don't want in crunch time. Uh, you know, he missed both times. Duran was able to get the offensive boards. Those two buckets put us up 38-37. Then on the other end, you know, he forced a travel on harms by not letting him go left. That was terrific defense. So, you know, for a while, that was kind of the leader in the clubhouse for Banner moment. Um, I thought that was a great stretch from Duran. But the area that I want to focus on right now, Andy, and I'll start with you, is the beginning of the second half. Because, you know, again, you, know, you lose a two-point game like this. There are so many little moments that you look at that kind of swung the tide of the game. And Indiana has been a team that has really struggled at the start of second halves. And for as good as our energy was for the first 20 minutes, I thought right out of the gate in the second half, about the first maybe four minutes, we didn't have the same energy. It kind of took us a little while to get back into it. And I don't know... If that was just whatever the second half malaise is that we've had, you know, seeing Romeo, you know, start puking and it kind of shook everybody up. I have no idea, but we didn't look good. And Purdue scored nine pretty quick points and our offense was struggling. But, you know, it was 25-20. They had scored two straight buckets. Rob Finnessy hits a huge shot. Uh, his foot just happened to be on the line, so it wasn't a three. Um, but I thought it was one of those shots that was kind of desperate for us to get because it kind of felt like Purdue might go on a big run and kind of, you know, extend a lead a little bit. He hits that shot. McRoberts would hit a three a few possessions later that was huge. And those shots, even though we weren't, like sometimes you don't play well, but you shoot well. I thought for that stretch, we didn't play well, but we shot well. It kept us in the game. And then from there, we started to play a lot better. Romeo got back in, the energy got better. But I, I just thought those two shots by Finnessy and McRoberts on a night and for a team that hasn't made you know, uh, uh, hasn't shot very well. We kind of desperately needed those shots just to save us in that stretch of the game. So big shots by those guys. Yeah, that was, that may have been, I use at least the the first possession, one of their worst defensive ones of the, of the game, really Klein ran off a bunch of screens. McRoberts got lost on that first three. The second one was kind of a fluky play. It's the one where they try to throw a pass. It hit off Harms's head bounces to Klein yeah. who you know Juwan had stepped up a little bit to, to guard somebody and you know give up a layup like that on not a lot you can bounces man bounces. not a lot you can do um I mean would have liked to seen it hit harms more squarely in the face but you know we're not Juwan was to... also standing flat-footed and not ready to recover on it he either was. so I mean you make your own yeah. luck at times for sure yeah. yeah yeah but you know so I thought they they you know they struggled there but you know they did hit those big shots and really after you know four possessions from each team it, it actually evened itself up at yeah. seven to seven um they get a layup but then Devonte turns the ball over and misses a three on the next two iu possessions before the you know the technical gets called on harms and iu gets three points out of that you know make it three out of four from the line which by the but way it, that was a bad technical let's let's be honest that was yeah a, that was oh yeah, yeah. I, don't know I agree they were so, thinking there yeah, but that but that really led to a stretch. You know, I you did kind of bounce back in that moment where it was, you know, they were kind of tied for that half at seven. But then outside of those free throws, you know, I used those were the only points that I used scored on the next, you know, nine possessions where you had four turnovers, if I'm counting this right. Um, you know, missed, you know, missed some threes, missed some shots inside around the basket. You know, it, it just another one of those stretches where it really just killed them to play that badly. And Purdue didn't take, you know, a ton of advantage of that. I think they scored seven points in that stretch, you know, 
So, but you lose, you know, you, you end up going down four points. And that was really when, you know, Al hit that shot that you talked about, Jared, and, and Duran went on that little run. But it was really, for me, it wasn't the immediate beginning of the half because I rebounded from that pretty quickly, which was, I think, after the games that we've seen, pretty concerning that they that they wouldn't really kind of dug their way out. Duran hit a nice shot inside. It was really that nine possession stretch after that where he scored three points all in free throws, can't make a shot, and turned the ball over four times with, you, you know, that was that was kind of the killer stretch there where you, you seem like you'd, you know, stem the tide a little bit of what Purdue had done to start the half, but not uh, not enough as you kept going. And it just, same thing we've seen, just too many of those stretches where you, you know, score one time out of 10 that you have it. You just, you know, that's just so emblematic of the offensive problems. And the defense at times when it looks bad gets really overblown as to how, how it can be. But again, in a game where you you hold your opponent to 48 points and you can't win, it says a lot more to me about the offense than it does about the defense, even if there were some breakdowns during that stretch. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, one other moment that stood out, and it's from very early in the game when it was 10-7. to 7, And, you know, we were up 10-7, to 7, playing pretty well. McRoberts forced a steal. And it was nice having Zach McRoberts back out there doing some Zach McRoberts things. He has no chance to stay in front of Carson Edwards. And he got lost on defense and gave up a wide-open three in the second half. You know, so all of that. But you know, we just we just get more 50-50 balls when he's on the court. And I don't know if it's because he rubs off on other people or he gets them all, but we just do. And he it was nice. Like Zach, by the way, he looked like Zach McRoberts for the first time all year. And yeah, he, he did. And he actually shot it with some confidence. It was nice to maybe, see. Maybe the back is finally – I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll – Lately, it's been more the foot still, than the back. Yeah, I mean, he well, still right, looked like but, he wasn't moving great when he would come off the floor. But at, yeah. during the time on, on the court while he was playing, he looked a little bit more normal. But then right. when the, the, the they back, would take him out. Yeah. The back, I think, is what's going to prevent him from diving on the floor and, and just being a pest, as he usually is, even more than the foot. <clears throat> and, and that back injury, look, it's probably not going to be healed till after the season. You, I don't not. know if he's going to do surgery or what, but yeah. um, it's going to be a long road. I've had a back injury like that, and it, you don't want to do anything. It's for, for, Regardless of – forget basketball. You don't want to do anything. Yeah. Um, so I just it, for the first time all season, it looked like the same guy we saw last year and that we were so high on coming into this year if he could shoot it. Yeah. So so he forces a steal. It leads to a run out for Rob Finnessy. And it looks like it's going to be 12-7. We get an easy bucket. Assembly Hall is rocking. Man, credit to Sasha Stevanovich because he made a great rundown block on that play to, to block that shot of Finnessy. It would have been 12-7 with some momentum. Instead, and Andy, you might you know have the actual numbers there. We didn't score for four, five, six minutes after that. You know, and again, for a team that has just struggled to get offense. And especially early in a game like this where you really need things to go right, I thought that was a huge, huge play, a great defensive play by Purdue because I thought that was just that was one of those big momentum plays that we just haven't been able to get. And, you know, nothing you can do there but credit a great defensive play by Stefanovic. Yeah, that was a possession two of a nine-possession stretch where you didn't score at all. There you and go. There was, I think, and it was toward the beginning of, a looks like, 14, 15 possessions where you scored once, so... You know, would have been nice just, to have the layup. <laughs> would have been, would have been good. Might have broken that up just a little bit. But you know, you just had it was a, it was again it was the same thing in that in that stretch. I mean, it's a fifteen possession stretch where you got I don't know six turnovers. Just just when it rains, it pours with this team, and that's just such ineffective offense. Just it, I mean, tonight kind of showed it. Almost doesn't matter how good you can be defensively, and I, it's un, equally unrealistic to think that I is going to be as good defensively in every game as they were tonight. Um, 
you just, no matter how good you are, you can't overcome multiple stretches like that in a game where you just can't put the ball in the basket. And, you know, that all goes back to, you know, they, they got to do something. And maybe it's too late to do something different this season and really change up uh, the way they're going to play schematically. But if, if they don't, it, it's going to be really hard for this team to go, you know, run away from anybody, even if they do continue to play well defensively and make a few more open shots. You just you you're not gonna you know put enough distance between yourself where anybody's ever gonna be able to you know feel comfortable and breathe in any kind of sigh of relief that that things are gonna you know it's gonna be a comfortable finish to the game. You you just not uh, when when you have stretches like that during yeah. the game frequently as IU seems to. You know, and, and one other one, and again, you know, this is something that has really plagued us in the Iowa game and the Ohio State game. You know, the two home games since the Michigan State game is, you know, sometimes at home, the timing of plays makes a big difference for getting the crowd to go nuts. And hey, credit to the Assembly Hall crowd. They showed up tonight. They supported a really strong effort all throughout the night. But yeah, there, are really certain, there are certain times in home games where the roof can come off. And you got to make a play at the right time. You know, we talked about Al Durham's three-pointer when it was 38-37, where just the timing of it, if he makes that in transition, the roof comes off. There was another one early in the first half, that follow-up dunk, attempt that Juwan Morgan had where the ball just doesn't bounce in the roof would have come off the place and you know you don't know you get that maybe you force a steal because the other team's rattled you get a big bucket sometimes you can get a quick 4-0 run on that stuff and we see it we've seen it at Assembly Hall over and over and we just haven't been able to get those quick moments those quick little runs at home and part of it is just because of the timing of plays and I will say on that one incredible transition defense going the other way by Zach McRoberts and really the whole team because Eric Hunter had it and you know was going the other way and McRoberts ended up fouling him but he at least made him earn it at the line I think he probably missed the free throws he at least missed one of them so it was just outstanding transition defense by McRoberts but again just one of those plays where the timing you know it just it would have been so huge any other moments stand out to you guys or do you want to talk some numbers because there's some interesting numbers no, I think you hit the. I think we've hit the moments. I mean, a game that only saw ninety-four points scored. How how many how many great moments could there have been? <laughs> it's not great moments. It's meaningful moments. Oh, not, all right. Well, not, not a lot of these I'm moments gonna, were great. For, say, yeah. Either way, I'm going to stand by my answer. Um. So look, we talked about the three-point shooting numbers. The other one that we talked about in terms of keys to game, part of the formula for beating Purdue, is you're most likely going to get more free throws than them because they don't take a lot of free throws and they're you know middle of the pack in terms of putting you on the line. And Indiana, you know, they got 16, 18 free throws, only made 11 of them. You know, Romeo did his part making 9 out of 10. Juwan goes 2 for 5. Justin Smith goes 0 for 2. With margins so small, you have got to make those. And that killed Indiana, at, you know, in the home in the game at Purdue. If Indiana shoots at se- just at season average from 3 and the free throw line, that would have been a 4-point game. That's, you know, and Indiana played terrible that night. Same thing here. If Indiana shoots at season average from three in the free throw line, as bad as those season averages are, they win the game. You know, you just and 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 just at the free throw line, you just make three more, you have it. But I, you know, I will say one thing that we saw tonight. You know, we talk about drastic changes. Indiana has not been a team that has valued offensive rebounds a lot, but tonight Indiana gets 16 offensive rebounds. And look, if you're not going to shoot well and you're going to turn the ball over a lot, which Indiana did, turning it over 17 times, how do you get more points? Well, you got to get offensive rebounds and give yourself second chances. Uh, And Indiana was able to score 12 second chance points. And every single one of those felt huge. 
So, you know, that really stands out to me as a way that Indiana was able to manufacture some offense on a night when the assist rate was under 50%, the turnover rate was, you know, 27%, and the shooting was awful. The offensive rebounding kind of kept Indiana alive. And I thought for most of the night, Indiana did a really nice job, uh, you know, on the defensive glass. Purdue did get 12 offensive boards, and the one by Harms there at the end was decisive. But on a lot of big possessions late, you saw guys like Deron and Justin Smith really block out well um, and, and you know, and do a pretty good job on the defensive glass. So we certainly did enough from a rebounding perspective to win. Yeah, there were there were a few examples of really strong box outs. I know they got mentioned on the broadcast a, a number of times as well where the ball would hit the floor that I that did a really good job there and ended up, I, th- I think the rebounds were fairly even in the first half, but ended up you know rebound, out-rebounding Purdue by seven in the second half. Again, rebounding margin isn't everything but uh you know the assist number again and we've seen that from this team when they're able to you know really try to facilitate some things and get things uh you know off of ball movement they're so much better off seven assists for the game on 15 made field goals purdue actually only had seven assists as well you know, the other thing that st- stood out to me just in terms of where points were scored you've hit on the the three-point line we talked about free throws a little bit uh, purdue still had 26 points in the paint and in a game when points were at a premium you know, being able to find their way into some some easy baskets or easier uh, baskets, I think, loom pretty large. IU only had 14 points in the paint. Um, and and for as well as you, you know, you mentioned IU, 16 offensive rebounds. Purdue actually outscored IU by two on second chance points uh, uh-huh. with those. So, you know, go figure uh, on on something like that. But, you know, I, I think the, you know, the assist number for this team and the way the offense runs tells a, a pretty good story uh, on most nights. I thought that was, was similar tonight. And 17 turnovers just, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of questionable decisions and some of the passes. There was the, you know, lob play to to Devontae, a play that IU runs a lot of times from the side. It was not a great pass, but it's also not one you can try to go one hand tip in. It's a little bit like the, you know, Justin Smith miss, miss dunk at Northwestern that everybody you know lost their mind about, rightfully so. Make a simple play, grab the ball with two hands instead of trying to do something crazy. Even if in that scenario you you grab the ball with two hands and come down with it because you don't get a shot, then bring it back out and run something else. It was just a play that there's just no way in the world that he's going to be able to make. And and you know those are just seemingly small decisions, but on a team that struggles so much offensively in a game that ended up being really close, it's little things like that that lead to turnovers that don't need to. Um, you know there was a shot clock violation where. You know, just not great awareness. Five seconds left. You end up lobbing the ball to Duran, 18 feet from the basket on the inbounds. I mean, you're putting him in a position where there's really not a lot he's going to be able to do with it. But, you know, again, free throw shooting was was killer. And, you know, the funny thing is the guy who shot the ball the best from the free throw line is, you know, in Romeo is the one that missed one at the end. Although, you know, every Purdue guy and announcer and anybody else you can think of is putting the the kibosh on him as they're, you know, tweeting out different things and whatever. And, and he, you know, rims one out. I thought the first one was going to, uh, was going to miss actually the way that so it, it went up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. You kind of felt like you dodged the bullet on that one. And and maybe uh, the fact that that one rattled home, maybe the second one would be a little bit cleaner, but he's, he shot the ball really well from the free throw line, done a good job getting there. So that's by no means to, uh, you know, say anything about that, friend, but he almost, he almost rebounded his own miss on that second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hustled yeah. He saw where it was going. So, yeah, I mean, so just similar stuff. I mean, turnovers, low assist numbers, poor free throw shooting, poor three point shooting. Stop me if you've heard this story before, statistically. But 0.787 points per possession for Purdue, one of the best offenses in the country. What, where are they ranked nationally in offense? Um, top, me, 
top five. They're I thought fifth. heading into this. Fifth. So, I mean, after it, this game, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, that had to be their worst offensive output of the season from points per possession. It was by far their worst offensive output in terms of points. I mean, that was that was a fantastic defensive effort by Indiana. And as frustrated as we all are by the offense, and it, you know, it was probably the you know the headline. You know, defensively, Indiana just did a wonderful job and, and just really played hard, really played connected. And I guess you know my biggest fear, and 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 we'll talk about this some more in segment four, is just you know you got up so much for this game, you know now how is this team going to respond? You know, the that, that's the question. I know. And, and do you say you know do you look at your coat because you know at some point. You want to build that trust with your coach to where your coach says, guys, if you give me 40 minutes of all-out effort, we're going to win this game. And now in this game, they can look at it and say, we gave you that, and you know, we didn't feel like we had a plan on offense to get it done. Does you know that mistrust that we've seen, it's felt like from the players to each other, from the players to the coach, does that seep in at all over these next few games against good competition? I hope not. You know, I really hope that what we saw tonight is something that is sustainable and they build on it. The issue is we've seen this team be able to do this for one game. You just can't really trust it from game to game. So I have no idea. I have no gut feeling on that. I'm not going to have a gut feeling going into the Iowa game because we just won't know. But, you know, I felt strongly coming into this game that they would put this effort forth. They did. Just didn't have the execution enough to bring it home, which we've said 8,000 times already on the show. But it's just... I, I just I feel frustrated for the players and for the coaches too because they clearly put a lot of effort into this and just weren't able to make the plays down the stretch and it you know it, it sucks to see any final thoughts numbers wise guys before we uh, move on here twenty seven point three percent from the field is going to get you a loss every time um, is that not good that's uh, yeah I think that's that's substandard is that, is that, as they would say is that bad uh, <laughs> but you know they they miss like twelve layups. You know, or, or putbacks, or just shots close to the paint. You can call them a layup, call them whatever you want, but they just had a lot of easy misses in close. And you know, whether that's adrenaline or whatever, um, you know, uh, an inch one way or the other. And 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 we might be talking about a different story on a lot of these shots. And and they got a lot of easy shots at the rim and just couldn't put them in. Yeah, I mean, guys like Jawan Morgan who are reliable around the rim, three of fourteen. Um, that's that's rough. And, and, uh, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's a lot of misses. And there were a lot of misses by a lot of guys tonight that, that were makeable shots. Yep. Yeah. I did. I did look Jared to your point. Uh, it was by a fairly wide margin, the, the lowest offensive efficiency number that Purdue has posted over the course of the season. Maryland was the next closest. They were at 0.863 points per possession in that one. And then those are the only two that have been over point under 0.9. So by a pretty wide margin, the uh, the worst. But I, you know, again, I, I think some of it is you know, we talked about the 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 poor three point shooting. I think the volume of three pointers was another one. You know, twenty five of fifty five field goal attempts from from three point range in a game that you it seemed like you had a chance to get Purdue into some foul trouble if you really drive the ball. Uh, and I you just settled. I thought too often for bad shots. I, I'll take Juwan Morgan missing shots around the basket because that's a good shot that he's going to make a, a heck of a lot more than he's going to miss a three pointer from darn near anybody on the team is one that I would probably not take in, in favor of that Duran or Juwan shot inside or a drive to the basket, despite how badly IU shot free throws over the course of the game. I think that's a, that's not really the, the ratio that you want at all to take, you know, close to half of your close to half of your shots from three point range on it for a team that shoots as poorly as this one does um, from, from the outside. 
That tends to be what Purdue allows. I mean, defensively, they allow, I think, more three-pointers than any team in the Big Ten. So they, they want you to do that. And on too many possessions, we played into their hands. I thought Juwan especially. You know, I, I agree. I think a few of those were good takes, but probably four or five of those get inside. Maybe three or four of them, yeah. you know, get inside and force the issue down there. All right. Coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game balls. We hit any other storylines that we haven't hit yet. And then in last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on this disappointing, crushing Indiana loss. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Purdue on Tuesday night, 48-46. It is that time of the game where we hand out some game balls. And I know some people don't like that we hand out game balls during losses because they don't feel like game balls should be handed out during losses. And some games it doesn't feel like there are any people really deserving of game balls. But I think tonight, even in a losing effort, there are Certainly two guys and maybe more as we go through this that are deserving of game ball. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who ends up getting it. Uh, Andy, we'll go to you first. Who gets your game ball tonight? Uh, I'll give mine to Romeo. I, I thought that in addition to you know 14 points, nine rebounds, first in points, second on rebounds on the team, I thought played really hard defensively. Uh, and I don't think I, there was maybe one moment that I saw that he got frustrated at either a call or losing the ball that you know he didn't have the, the greatest reaction to. But I really thought he played really hard defensive defensively uh ended up you know threw up at some point during the game got a bloody lip at some point during the game uh and, and really kind of kept bouncing up he made some some solid defensive plays had a couple of breakdowns uh again which i don't think it's it's probably fair unfortunately to expect him to be perfect on that end of the floor but i thought really um i, I you know i just think it, it would be easy for a guy like him to check out in the way the season is going, a, a, a guy who clearly, maybe not clearly, but but seems extremely unlikely to be back at IU would have been easy to. He's to gone, check Andy. Out. He's going pro. I know. Well, I don't know. Is know. Andy saying he might be on a two-year plan? <laughs> no, I'm not. do not nobody, give people hope, Andy. Just don't. Nobody, nobody <laughs> not doing is that. saying. Nobody is saying he's on a two-year plan. <laughs> um, but, but I think it was an easy scenario for him to to kind of not go through the motions. I don't. I don't think we've seen him do that this year, but. Um, he really wanted this game, and a couple people in the the post game reference kind of varying degrees of emotion from he and Juwan that, that it was clear that the game really meant a lot to those two guys. So uh, kudos to him; thought he played well. And, and as we talked about before, if maybe he plays thirty five minutes instead of thirty two, uh, maybe the outcome is a little bit different. But I was impressed with him tonight. Although I think there's another guy who would be uh, be worthy of the game ball as well. So I'm sure he'll come up over the rest of the segment. But I'll give mine to Romeo. Yeah, Ryan, who gets yours? Uh, it was it was tough. I think that uh, my second place is is Deron Davis just because of the attitude. Yeah. He, then the tone he set. I know statistically it's not. I don't think game ball is always statistics. I no, really don't. And I think it was a lot of tone. We've made setting. that clear throughout the game balls I think on the show. There's been a lot of tone setting by Deron Davis in a couple games this year. And eight point six rebounds, four or six from the field, played twenty six minutes. But he also said you guys aren't going to screw with us tonight essentially uh really early uh, i would also give consideration though he didn't score much to to al durham because i thought his defense was phenomenal the entire yeah. night and uh i thought it was incredibly important and he's a guy who you can put him one-on-one -on -one with an all-american at the end of a game and feel 
you know, confident that he's not going to screw up and he's going to play good defense. And he did. And he got exactly what Indiana wanted there. He got Carson Edwards pulling up and fading away on a jumper. Come on. That's exactly what you want. And Carson Edwards is supposed to be the best, you know, the big 10 player of the year. And, and Al Durham forced him into that, but I got to give it to Romeo Langford because I thought uh, defensively. And as a guy also who'd been called out a lot, he showed up tonight and, and, and I texted both you guys and said, this is a different Romeo Langford tonight. Uh, and, and I think you agreed. It was just a different performance from Romeo. Out of principle, I disagreed with you, even if you were right. Well, yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> don't you hate it when I'm right, Jared? Uh, 14 points, nine rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block. Uh, did have three turnovers, but he, held, he possessed the ball a lot. 32 points. Uh, threw up, came back, and was able to still uh, impact the game. Uh, nine of ten from the free throw line, which is which was huge to keep Indiana in the game by making those. He was missing them early in the year. He's worked his butt off to get better at that. Um, so yeah, and by the way, that step back three towards the end of the half was pure Ooh. filth. Uh, so, and I think he's better on step backs. It's weird. He's he's better on a step back three than he is a set three. But um, I would say yeah, Romeo pretty clearly the game ball tonight. But those other guys do deserve a, a mention. That really probably could have been the banner moment. I mean, he stepped backed. Step, stepped back, gathered, kind of took a beat, and just drained it. And that was a huge shot to make it 20-20. to 20. Yeah, Romeo's my game ball for all the reasons that you guys mentioned. I do, Andy. I think if he plays at the start of the second half, we win the game. I mean, I really do. I just think, you know, I mean, he, he was such an impactful player while he was on the court, plus four while he was out there. I think that would have had a major impact. Um, I also agree, you know, honorable mention, Deron Davis, honorable mention, Al Durham. You know, I'll tell you other two other guys that I want to mention. And it goes beyond what happened on the court tonight. But I want to mention Juwan Morgan and Zach McRoberts, because I think when you have a team that turns itself around from one game to the next, and, and we heard Archie talk about you know, how the guys had a meeting and they talked, and he said Juwan and Zach really had a lot of things to say. And I think you know, from, from what Archie said, it, he kind of made it sound like he talked with Juwan especially about, hey, you know, this, is, this is it. You know, you've got six games left, however many left it is. There's got to be a sense of urgency now. You know, this is the final stretch. And no, Juwan didn't have the greatest game on the floor tonight. But I think when you see the team respond from a communication standpoint and effort standpoint, we've asked for leadership. And I thought we saw that from those two guys tonight. And so, you know, while their play might have been up and down on the court, you know, sometimes your senior leaders, you know, they also do important things that set the tone before you even get to the arena. And so I just want to give those guys a hat tip because, you know, they, along with the coaches, had this team ready to play. They weren't able to, you know, make enough plays to win, but they were ready to go. So a lot of guys, I thought, stepped up and had good nights um, for Indiana, which was nice to see on the heels of, of one of their worst performances. But Romeo definitely uh, gets my game ball. So he now vaults into the lead. Seven game balls for Romeo, six for Juwan, four for Al Durham, three for Deron Davis as we come down the stretch there. All right, guys, anything else from this game that we need to touch on? Last call. You just you just ready to go on, huh? It was a tough night, Jared. It was. I'm ready to I'm ready to put this behind me and celebrate Manny Machado arriving in San Diego. I do so like lingering questions coming out of this game. Why didn't Race Thompson play? I'm curious about that. And I don't know if you guys have seen any tweets that have addressed it, but I'm curious to know that. And I think the biggest one is just how does this team respond? And none of us is gonna have any idea, but I'm I would say I'm more worried than I am confident about how they'll respond. They play again Friday night at Iowa. You know, that that's a team where I was going to give you some opportunities offensively, so hopefully we're able to take advantage of some of them, but it's really tough to know what team we'll see. 
I we'll, just lost by one at home on a tip-in to uh, Mar- Bruno Fernando in Maryland, so I'm sure oh, they'll so, be. So Fran know, will be happy. So they'll be they'll be okay. ready to they'll uh, be ready to play. But over uh, under on how many Fran McCaffrey meltdowns are we at? Like three point five in that game, two point five. What do you think? It depends. If we play like we did at Minnesota, he won't need to melt down about anything. True. So it'll be calm, Fran, and it'll be really <laughs> yeah. weird. That'll be unsettling. Chill, for everyone, chill, but. Fran. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have questions about that, and I think anybody who thinks at this point of the season they have any kind of read on how this team will react to really this scenario or any scenario is lying to you. Um, but I, I don't know. the The optimistic part of me wants to hope that 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 they're able to bounce back. But there's only so many times that you can bounce back. But if you you really think that you found something in between the Minnesota game and this one. Yeah, perhaps there's there's more resolve there than you think, but I, I don't see any scenario where this game didn't take a lot out of these guys who really uh, invested a lot to get back to the point where they had played in this game. And uh, you know, like I said, there was there was mention that Juwan was you know pretty emotional in the in the post game press conference, and I think that's you know if you can channel that to to bring it back and and play a little bit better against in another really difficult game, then maybe things, uh, maybe things can work themselves out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard based on what we've seen over the last month plus with this team to, to talk yourself into them being able to get up off the mat again, uh, in the way that they did between the Minnesota game and tonight, by the way, with Purdue's four for nine from the free throw line, our free throw defense now 62.7%, number one in the country. Wow, hey, that's good. Number one in the country. But by, by the way, one thing I do want to say. That and four fifty will get you coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. Four fifty? It's not you, know, you get a big one. Can you? Um, you know, what what I got into a discussion with someone on Twitter. You know, pretty much any <laughs> any story that starts out that way probably isn't even worth saying. Yeah, that's gonna add As well. I say it, you know what? Let's just let's just scratch that. <laughs> and that and that person is now your wife. No, is it if it doesn't no, end that uh, way, there's no no, I just want to say overall in the season, um, Indiana three three point percentage defense is eighty seventh in the country. It's pretty good at thirty two point five percent. In terms of three point volume, we're middle of the pack, thirty eight point two percent of opponent shots are threes. And you know, there's been a narrative that has somewhat taken hold about how the pack line defense is really bad against three pointers. And, and I just you know want to remind folks that you know you look at some of the teams that run the pack line well. The pack line will give up some attempts. But the idea is no rhythm three-pointers. So you're going to give up some attempts, but you've got to close out hard. You're hoping that those attempts are rushed, and you're hoping that they're not in the spot where people want them. So that's important to remember, you know, because there's also, of course, the school of thought, and it's been statistically proven that you know, three-point percentage can, can have some variance to it. But there's a reason why schools like Arizona, schools like Virginia that run the pack line are pretty consistent with their three-point defense. And we're seeing that. We saw that in a game like tonight. I know sometimes you could say, well, Carson Edwards just shot bad. Well, yeah, he was harassing. He didn't get the shots that he wanted. He took shots we wanted him to take. So not getting set shots. You're, coming off, you're having to come off screen sideways, not straight yeah. on. Yeah. And look, the three-point defense was terrible against Minnesota. It was awful. But that wasn't because of the defense. That was because of the guys playing the defense. Like, tonight they played the defense right, and I think that was a big part of the reason why we saw, you know, the threes Purdue made were really tough. So, you know, look, Indiana obviously has to get better offensively from the three-point line. There is no question about that. This program is not going to win consistently again until they can make better use of the three-point line on offense. But... From a defensive perspective, overall this season, we've actually been much better on the three-point line when the guys have actually been fully engaged defensively. 
So I just, you know, I've seen some people kind of talking about that. And I think that's a bit of an old narrative that, that needs to go away a little bit. And we'll continue to get better and more consistent as we get better in this system. Um, all right. So coming up, uh, assembly call wise, we've got assembly call radio on Thursday, then quick turnaround for the post game show Friday. We hope, of course, that you will join us for those. Uh, and remember that because you're an assembly call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our assembly call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time for last call. Andy, lead us off. This is one that, again, post-game press conference comments from Archie was basically saying that after the Nebraska game seemed to really take away this team's conference, and that, at least in Archie's mind, was uh, was somewhat of a turning point. And I think it, it's funny, if you if you pick this game up and you pick up the effort of where it was, and ironically, the game after you know that Nebraska was when when they played at Purdue. If you see this kind of response, this kind of effort in the immediate aftermath of what at the time seemed like the the an anomaly that that Nebraska performance, and you know they hadn't played well at Michigan, um, played well at Maryland, and lost that that Nebraska game at that point felt like the outlier. And if you were able to pick up the effort that you saw tonight and the way that this team responded to a really poor performance, um, the Minnesota game might have you know taken the the throne from that Nebraska game of the worst performance of the season in in some ways. And if you'd seen this team respond that way at that point, it makes you wonder what the season would have done. And I kind of told myself before we got in here that I wasn't going to you know, go back and be like, man, where was this? Yeah, this was great effort. Try to turn it into some kind of moral victory. And so that's not what I'm trying to, to get at here. I, I just, from whether it be players or coaches, it just sucks that it took that long. It, whether, whether it's sustained or not, what, no matter what the answer to our question is, as to how this team responds to this loss, it really sucks that it took that long for this coaching staff, this team to respond to adversity and a poor performance with the kind of effort that we saw tonight, because the offense was painful to watch. Uh, it, it was brutal at times, but I'm willing to live with losing with the effort that we saw tonight in short stretches uh, you know, losing games like that just because they played so damn hard and tried so, so much on defense and played tough on that end of the floor against a really good and elite offensive team. And so it's one of those, you can see the glass half full or the glass half empty based on a performance like this. And I think people probably would view it differently if it came at a different point in the season. And it just, you know, kind of leads to that overarching frustration and what could have been that this season will ultimately be remembered for really no matter what happens from here on out. And um, I, I quite honestly can't figure out whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing at this point, because great to see the effort struggle to understand why it took getting to this point to do it. And, uh, and, and in the end, it just kind of adds to the pile of disappointing losses that this season has really turned into. And maybe in a while we won't remember this one any different than we remembered some of the other ones, uh, even though, you know, it seems like each of these have been unique in their own way, but just a, a hard, hard game and a hard season to really put into any kind of context just based on the ebbs and flows of it so far, which is really an open-ended way to, to wrap up final thoughts on this game because I, 
it really just becomes difficult to know what to make of it, what, if anything, this really means. And maybe we start to figure that out against Iowa. Uh, and, and maybe we don't, if, if this season has proven anything, it's that we have absolutely no idea what this team's going to do next and how they're going to respond to any scenario. So stick with us and find out as we go down the rest of the path of the season, because That's next on the assembly call, as who knows? Miserable together. <laughs> who knows, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? What, what horrible way will we find to, to lose another game? Who knows? But uh, yeah, just a, just a weird game. Just a weird season. Just th- this, this game fit well within the season that this has become for sure. Great comment from Jen in the chat mob. She said, Ryan looks like he could use a cup of coffee right now. Is he asleep? No, I'm just, meh. It's just hard right now, guys. Um, I've had a long day, too. It started very oh, early. Oh, God. Uh, a certain player choosing uh, my team over Jared's. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. <clears throat> Mute. Okay, my last call. Here we go. I'm back. Oh, no, I'm not back. Am I back? You're I'm back. back. You're All right, back. good. <laughs> I, can, I can unmute myself, Jared. Um, what I would say about this, and, and Andy kind of touched on it, honestly, over these last five games, I don't care if they win or lose. Uh, I would love for them to win but I want them to see them play like tonight. I want to see the offense get better. I want to see the execution get better, but I want to see this team play like tonight. If they win playing lackluster basketball, it's still going to be disappointing. I want to see this team play like it did tonight. I want to see fight. I want to see these guys lock in defensively and play hard. I mean, honestly, they're not going to play a team that is demonstrably better than Purdue in their last five conference games they're not michigan state just lost nick ward and has lost uh what's the other guy langford langford josh langford josh langford yeah um i was thinking langford for some reason yeah langford um th- so they're not going to play a demonstrably better team than they played tonight and they should have won this game um if they play like this down the stretch i think the offense gets better uh, as it goes, because I think that they have some better, I saw some better ideas tonight. I don't think they were executed particularly well, but you saw a lot of Romeo getting one-on-one. I don't think I was going to double the way they did in the post. I think that the post guys will have more opportunities. Um, I think they can win games, but what, but the baseline needs to be that you come out and play with your hair on fire. That is how that team, this team played at the beginning of the season. And it's how they played most of last season, play with some heart and hustle and just, Go for it because you've got nothing to lose. And and I don't want to see another lackluster effort this season. I want to see this team play hard. I want to see this team try and earn something. Um, so, yeah, that's what I say. They got five games left. They they really need to go nuts. And then they need to have a nice run in the Big Ten tournament. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I, as I said, I want them to win every game. I, I want IU to win every game they, they run out there. But my baseline isn't winning right now. It's playing as hard as they did tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, we often see and we've seen a lot, you know, after games, you know, people saying the season's over and and I get it. You know, people are frustrated and they say that to mean like maybe the chances of the NCAA tournament or, you know, the chances of this season living up to its potential are over. And I understand that that's certainly the case. But man, there's five more regular season games left. There's a Big Ten tournament. And, you know, to me, each of these games are meaningful. You know, how is Juwan Morgan going to go out? Is he going to go out fighting and doing everything he can you know, to, to leave with as much positive momentum as possible. You know, what more wonderful performances do we get to see from Romeo before he heads off to the NBA? Young guys like Justin Smith and Rob Finnessy, like what kind of growth do we see from them? What is Race Thompson able to contribute? How does Deron Davis start building toward his senior year? You know, I think, you know, and Archie Miller, you know, what do we see from this coach 
that you know Andy to to a certain extent it's concerning you know seeing him recognize that they lost it in the Nebraska game you know and here we are I mean look at all the uneven performances since then and why did it take you know until after the Minnesota game for these quote unquote drastic changes and maybe there are perfectly reasonable explanations for that because of how things have gone behind the scenes we don't know but man you hear that and you think that was a long time ago. <laughs> you know, like why weren't we able to get something going since then? You know, what is this young coach who's in his second year, <clears throat> you know, who is clearly still doing some learning on the job? What is he able to do to pull this team through this at the end of the year? So, you know, I agree that so many of the things that we thought we were going to see this season are gone. Those are over. But I still think that there are so many compelling things to watch on a game-in, game-out basis. And that's why we do the show every every game and try to give every game the respect it deserves. Certainly some games are more enthusiastic than others and we're more excited to do the shows than others. Um, but I think, you know, especially for a young coach trying to build a culture, this is a really meaningful end of the season, whether it results in a tournament appearance or not. And what we saw t- Saturday... That was two huge steps back. What we saw today was a huge step forward. That's how you have to play every game. That's especially how you have to play at home. If we can add any level of offensive execution and competence to the the defense and the effort we saw tonight, this team can beat any team left on its schedule. Can being the operative word. Now what we'll get to see is will they? You know, and does this team is what they showed tonight, is that a sign that this team has a pulse to end this season? Um, you know, we all certainly hope so. We'll be watching on Friday night to see, but uh, I think, you know, as you, you know, lick your wounds from this game and, you know, try to come to grips with being three and 13 and probably playing a Wednesday game in the big 10 tournament, there are still opportunities to get beyond that. There's still opportunities for this team to try and finish this season with pride and every game matters. And so I think, uh, you know, from a fan perspective, I think that's probably the best way to view the end of this season. And hopefully this team gives us uh, some more good things to cheer about as we as we go here toward the end of the year. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Thursday night and then Friday after IU Iowa. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. San Diego chicken. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Just thought I'd throw that in there at the end. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat>
I'm sure our radio affiliates will appreciate that. <clears throat> I'm sure it's great. It's a great day for a White Sox fan, huh? Don't talk about the White Sox. Don't make this day any worse. And, and Get their because, name out of your mouth. Just, I mean, if you weren't going to be serious about it, just don't string it along all off season. You know, well, they, were, they were serious about it. They thought not they serious the enough. They thought they had the top offer on the board. That was the report. But then, like this whole thing about Kenny Williams came out and said we weren't going to go to three hundred million. And then now there's a report. Well, their offer actually would have gone to three fifty. I think that's total coverage. Of course it is because Absolutely. they're trying to spin it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's a <laughs> no. I, look, it's I'm a joke. shocked. I'm I'm absolutely shocked. I thought he was going to the White Sox. Uh, let's see. Fabian says last minute Keon talk. Yeah, Keon. From everything I know, Keon is not coming to Indiana, and is almost assuredly going to Kentucky at this yes, point. We, I think we can that. spend more time talking about it on Assembly Call Radio, but I would not hold out any hope there based no. on things I have heard from multiple sources, third and fourth hand. That's I'll tell you best. what, though. I'll tell you what, though. And Indiana might be better positioned to go after shooting guards that can shoot, though, uh, just or wings that can shoot. And, and Keon's an okay shooter. He's not, but he's not a great shooter. He's not going to change. He's not going to be a game-changing shooter. And when, if Jerome Hunter comes back healthy, while it's always great to have a guy like Keon, don't get me wrong. So don't take it that way. Um, I think that if you have Jerome Hunter as your sort of driver wing guy that you can, you know, rely on to do that kind of thing, I think it's okay not to get Keon. You want him, obviously, no question. But you don't feel like Trace Jackson Davis was the bigger priority i think for a reason because i think that he fits what they're trying to do a lot better by working in the paint more um keon is a really 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 good player but i think it was less of a priority for iu to get him uh you want to get both obviously but i I think that honestly dj carton is more of a miss than uh than keon would be just given what he can do on the floor and what you're missing uh so that Honestly, I would start throwing some offers at any available shooters. Um, kind of see they they were just out checking out this JUCO shooter in Dayton yeah. that apparently is really good. So just get shooting. We need yeah. people shooting. would sell their soul at this because point. They've got a lot forty percent from three point range. I think people forget that like they've got a lot coming back already. I mean, I know we haven't seen Ray Thompson and Hunter this year, but they were both supposed to be big parts of the rotation this year. They haven't played that rookie that. You know, Jake Forrester's going to get better. He's an all-effort guy who's going to get better. You've got, uh, you know, Finnessy's going to get better. You, I mean, I, I just, I think Armand Franklin's going to be a really good defender, at least in the beginning. I think he can shoot a little bit. I don't think he's going to, you know, he's got to work this offseason on his shooting. Uh, but he's a guy who's going to play next year. I'm not, you know, there's nobody on uh, that, of that group that's going to redshirt next year. You know what I mean? Like, they're all going to play. And, and, um the one guy who I think really needs to work on himself is Demisi. Other than that, I love the development of all of these guys where they're headed. And um, so, yeah. And then you've got Deron Davis in the middle. Uh, hopefully he returns. I'm assuming he will, uh, you know, so, I mean, there, there's some, there's some positives there on, on the front, even if you don't get key on, but yeah, they got, they got to get some shooting. And I think I, I just want, and this staff guy. has been recruiting shooting, you know I mean? They have yeah. prioritized it in, in recruiting. Now they just got to, you know, Got to get some guys. I just want one guy who, when he takes the three pointer, I actually believe it's going to go in. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want. Agreed. <laughs> and, uh, I felt that way about Klein. Even that one that, even that one that crept over the rim. I was like, 
I mean, the shots, I mean, they hit six threes. His I, shot is so ugly, by the way. I never did. It it's, it's, he's it making a living on that, though. He's made tons of those this year. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it goes off the court, he's shooting these, like, fall-away threes and whatever. Like, I mean, Over his head, too. Two, like, two of the ones he made tonight were improbable. I don't know. I don't remember the first one. But, I mean, no. even the shots, the threes that they made, like, the one that Wheeler hit was they were willing to give him the shot. He's a 33% three-point shooter. Eifert hit one where he was left open somewhat intentionally yeah. no and Klein Stefanovic comes off of like a you know double screen as a guy who's the third to fourth option on the floor and makes one and then Klein Devante hits, was guarding him on two Klein hits, yeah, look, Klein hits the other three if you, if you come off a double screen sometimes the guy's going to be open like it's, yeah. just, it's just it happens you know like there's traffic you get through it I mean now you shouldn't be as far away as IU was on a couple of those tonight but that's basketball they set up a play to run that sometimes yeah. they beat you and Oh, the other that's the other Klein one is the one at the beginning of the second half yeah, when they ran, ran McRoberts through like McRoberts. 11 screens and yeah. he got lost. But yeah, I mean, some of those are, yeah, I mean, most of the shots, the threes that were either guys that you wanted to shoot the ball or really tough shots from other people who were there. Actually, I mean, you bring up Devontae. We didn't really talk about him very much, but that's probably for the best. Yeah, he was, again, it was a Devontae game. It was the thing that to, just wasn't play, enough good. He needed to bounce yeah. it out with a, a, a shot. He or just two. had to he play so much. Threes, to, it would have been a fine night, but Here's the it wouldn't thing. have been well, yeah. I guess you're right. Fine, 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 fine. fine for Devonta. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like game ball worthy or something. But the thing that drives me nuts is our guards throw low bounce passes to our big guys. It drives me friggin' nuts because it looks good if it goes through, but the percentage chance of it going through is so little. Go over the top to them, especially if like it's because you're a screen and roll and there's nobody behind them. Just lob it up to them. It drives me nuts. And then Devontae dribbling to his right throws a bounce pass that like bounces off of someone out of bounds. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Just throw the ball to the guy. Like you're not making enough consistent average plays to try and make something look really good. Like you're just yeah. not. But then you like whip the one into to uh Juwan like from the wing all the way into the middle, almost the middle of the lane on the other side. And make a play like that. And then the one where Romeo, like at the beginning of the second half after Romeo came back in, where you throw it at his feet at a terrible angle where he's going to the sideline, where there's basically, there's no way that you can, you're too close to him to throw a bounce pass at all. And the way that it was, there's no chance. It at him hard. There's no chance he's going to be able to actually receive the pass. In Is our next game Friday or Saturday? Friday. Friday. Okay. Thoughts. Weekend off. Yeah. I watch, well, yeah, watch I, your AAF. Yeah. Watch the commanders, man. Hey, what about the fleet? What do you, we got no football back in San Diego, man. No, people people don't care about football in San Diego. They don't. They won't support a team in San Diego. Right. We've yeah, made, we've crazy. we've addressed That's that. Become clear. <laughs> I hate. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys Thursday. All right. Sounds good. I'll yeah, talk to you Thursday. Friday, back to back. Yeah, I won't. I won't be there on Friday. So you won't Sorry. be Friday. I'm good Friday. Friday. Next Tuesday is the one. I think you're going to have to host it, Andy. Okay, that's fine. That's with uh, nine o'clock. Ryan, you have to be there. Tip. It's it's our last show with Ethan Happ, so you got to be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Okay. Uh, uh, pretty pretty damning though. I will say, last night as I'm watching the the rock fight that was actually a slightly higher scoring rock fight than this game, that like they took Hap off the floor at the end of like for the last three minutes of a close game, maybe four minutes, because they didn't want Illinois to foul him. Yeah, guard said it was no. Guard said it was because of turnovers. <laughs> Right. That is. I know. A, it's like he doesn't heaping, want it getting out. That is a heaping pile of BS yeah. right there. I, know. I don't know. I don't shouting reports. He I don't know keep... why coaches are that disingenuous. The times, yeah. like yeah, people dude, aren't. Stupid. We know why. Like, 
we've watched him shoot free throws and he's a focal point of your offense during other parts of the game. Seriously. What a, I didn't, I didn't read that. What a stupid thing to say. By the way, Matt Harms, still a stiff. (laughs) That guy. He's a stiff. He does nothing on the floor. Um, He doesn't have a whole lot of discernible basketball skill. How was that wrong? Like quite frankly, yeah. let's let's be honest. That's a thousand percent accurate. I don't he know. How wrong. The one He's also way, never lost to Indiana. That I don't know how the, the we play in the first that. half for as dumb as the hook and hold can be. Like, how is that not what he was doing to Duran? He's clearly trying to deceive yeah. somebody. Like Duran has locked up his arm, which was not true at all, and then he throws himself on the floor. Like I'm fine with a no call there, but the way they're calling that this year, yeah, that was yeah. hook and hold. Yeah, that's not a mm-hmm. double foul. Yeah. All right. I yeah. do have to leave now, uh, but yeah, I'll be there Thursday and then I'll be Friday too. Cool. Okay. See you guys then. We will see all you right. all Thursday night. I'll say hi to Manny for you. Oh, please do. <laughs> see you. <laughs> see ya. Oh, man. Oh. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.